Hey folks, we're about to jump into the conversation, but before we do, I want to remind you to go to christiantranshumanistpodcast.com to get show notes for this and every other episode. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for email updates so we can let you know when new episodes are released and when new and exciting things happen in the Christian transhumanist community. We'll also connect you to other people just like you who are exploring questions just like this. That's christiantranshumanistpodcast.com. Go there, and we'll hook you up. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Micah Redding, and I'm here with Derek Flood, who is the author of Disarming Scripture, Cherry-Picking Liberals, Violence-Loving Conservatives, and Why We All Need to Learn to Read the Bible Like Jesus Did. He's also a writer for the Huffington Post and Red Letter Christians and writes regularly at therebelgod.com. Thanks, Derek, for joining me today. Yeah, glad to be here. So, um, so I just finished your book uh, recently, and um, let, let's talk about that. What what is the premise of your book? What's what's it about? Well, I mean, let me talk about the origin hmm. um, of the book and how it came about. So, I was in uh, seminary, and I was learning uh, Greek and Hebrew. And I was um, on kind of a little project I made for myself. I wanted to, like, you know, translate Romans from the Greek, and I wanted to translate all the Psalms from Hebrew. And when you're doing that, you start to pay attention to, like, every little part of what you're, like, every every letter, every sentence that you're writing. Hmm. And I started to notice, gosh, some of these Psalms, I don't know how I missed that before, but these are awful. Um, you know, there's Psalms like, you know, I pray that my enemies would be destroyed and God, will you help me to kill them? And I hope they all die. And, you know, I'm, I, you, you might be aware of that, but it just, and I, I was like, whoa, what? This is sort of the stuff that like I didn't highlight before, you know, I sort of skip over. And now I'm like having to be confronted with it and really like, you know, spend time with it. And I'm noticing that when, you know, um, he says stuff like, uh, the, the psalm writer says says these things about like see how I hate my enemies isn't that great and it's not like it's a bad thing it's like he's really proud of it and he's thinking that God will be proud of him too and then I started reading you know other places in the Old Testament and that I guess I must have just glossed over before um, and started really noticing this big big problem with with glorified violence um, you know people saying you know that God wants them to commit genocide and stuff. And I started really wrestling with that and looking for, trying to figure out what's going on with, with this, you know, and, and what do I do with this? And just kind of a, a crisis of faith um, that came from that, you know, because it's, it's my Bible. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, you know, sacred book that, you know, I have like, you know, from cover to cover, like, you know, highlights and notes in. And I feel like I'm, I can, you know, connect with God in that. And yet there's this part of it where I'm like, this, this seems nothing like Jesus. This seems to be completely contradictory to the God that I know in Jesus. And um, and there's a certain point where I, I hit this, I, I discovered this thing that I'd never seen before, and that it seemed to be kind of like a clue of how I could um, understand this stuff without, on the one hand, um, justifying it, and saying, well, you see, back then they didn't value life, so it was okay to have all your children killed in a slaughter. And, you know, the sort of thing, I'm like, what? No. And, and or on the other hand, 
kind of like pretending like it's not there and saying, oh, it's a lovely book and it's about mercy and community and hospitality. And it's like, well, you read this part. And that had to do with the idea of noticing something that both Jesus and Paul were doing, which was taking um, violent passages and kind of changing their meaning around and flipping them around, like you could say um, purposely misreading them. And um, so that so what was intended to be a passage that was glorifying vengeance and retaliation, meaning people, um, you know, committing vengeance and retaliation in God's name and changing around and making about grace and this other stuff. And I was thinking like, wow, so Paul and Jesus are reading the Bible in a really different way than I do and that anyone else I know does. And maybe that's why Jesus reads the Bible and sees his loving Abba Father. And maybe if I can learn how to read that way, um, then I'm able to, um, you know, read the Bible in a way that doesn't justify bad things and call them good, but is able to kind of find, find a Christ like God in the Bible. And that's kind of, that became the book. Yeah. So talk about, um, some examples of that. Uh, you know, so you're saying Jesus and Paul do this kind of, um, what we would consider a strange interpretive thing. Um, what's um what's an example of of that happening so like i mean one exa- there's a lot of examples in romans um that paul does one there's a, let me start with one that's from from jesus um well no i'll start with paul um so paul is quoting from uh where was he quoting from from deuteronomy he's quoting from deuteronomy 32 and the entire quote is um for i tell you that christ is co- oh well, this is not the quote um so Paul says, I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promise made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles might glorify God in his mercy, for it is written. And here he's going to begin quoting Deuteronomy thirty-two forty-three, And it begins, and he doesn't quote this part, I destroyed, I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them to the Lord, but he did not answer. He is the God who avenges me, who puts the Gentiles under me. And then Paul begins to quote, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns in your name. And as you can tell by the first part that he took out, the point is, I will sing praise to you among the Gentiles because they are at my feet. That's why I'm singing praise to you among the Gentiles. But Paul's making it like, I'll sing t- praise to you among the Gentiles because we're hanging out and we're buddies, hmm. right? And so it's completely reversing the intent of it. And then Paul quotes again from that same chapter in Romans 15. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And he stops the quote there from Deuteronomy 32. Actually, no, it was before, I'm sorry, that was before the, the Psalm 18. And then he's quoting from Deuteronomy 32. So he quotes, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And then he stops it. And the sentence continues, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will make he will take vengeance on his enemies and make atonement for his people, um, for his land and the people. Unquote. And so, and 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 that's not just this. That's just two examples. But that happens like all the time. That there'll be like the one of the really famous ones is where Paul says, um, "Where O death is your sting?" Um, and he's talking about Christ having overcome death. And that's how he's using the quote to mean that. But in, I think this is from Hosea. If you look at Hosea, the original intent is not to say, 
hey, death, you don't got any sting now. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? It's more, come, O oh, death, with your sting and kill all these Gentiles. Hmm. I, 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 I want wrath. And, and that's actually Paul in Romans is talking to people who want wrath, right? So, so we're used to reading Romans from like a Martin Luther's perspective, where it's called, I'm afraid of wrath and I need to have God's forgiveness. But I don't think that's what Paul is actually addressing. And this is sort of the new perspective on Paul, where they're saying that that's, that's not who Paul's talking to. Paul's talking not to Martin Luther. He's talking to um, his fellow Jews who have a history of wanting to call down wrath on the Gentiles. In this case, that would be the oppressing Roman um, Empire. And, and, the, and the Psalms he's quoting, like Hosea that we just talked about, um, like the Psalms, are calling down um, wrath and saying, I'm righteous because I'm, I'm good and I'm righteous and they're bad, so kill them and protect me. The Psalms are all about that, you know, and, and of course there's diversity in the Psalms, so they're not all that way, but there's a lot of them that are that way. It's a, definitely a theme. And Paul's completely flipping that and saying, no, we all are deserving of wrath, and so we all need mercy, and so we can't point fingers at all. And so he's, take, he's completely flipping that narrative um, from there. And it's just that's just kind of this, like, um, like, like you're not allowed to do that. You know, that's yeah. called like um, Richard Hayes commented on that kind of reading that Paul does and says like, if this if this Paul guy took a class in exegesis, he'd flunk. <laughs> but, yeah. So you're you're kind of identifying that that Paul's engaged in some creative uh, interpretation there, um, and. How do you think uh, he justifies that, right? Because, like, as you're saying, like, uh, you know, no professor of the New Testament would justify <laughs> such a thing now, right? So, so how does Paul justify doing that with the Old Testament? Yeah, and so I think, you know, I mean, the answer is I don't know because I can't ask him, um, and he doesn't say what his justification is. So I have some ideas, some theories, um, you know, and if you find them convincing, you can, you can run with them too. But, um, my theories are one, I think he's aware that his audience, um, knows the other readings. Like, I don't think that he's, he, he's not writing to people who he thinks are unfamiliar with the Bible. He's writing to people who he, he who he thinks will recognize these passages and stuff. And so, Part of me thinks he's doing it in a provocative way, like he's he's sort of he's he's kind of like taking something the way that maybe uh, a songwriter might steal a line from somebody else's song. Like rap does that a lot, right? Yeah. They'll just yeah. like, take some kind of like just grab some thing that you're familiar with and then flip it so as to say, "See what I did there? Wasn't that clever? See what I did there?" And that's that's one possibility that he's that he's actually planning on his audience. He's kind of trying to like provoke and shock his audience in the same way that Jesus says stuff like, "You want to live, then you got to die." And we're all like, "Wait, die? But dying is bad." And he's kind of trying to like make us go, "What?" And so that's one possibility that he's trying to like get our attention by by flipping the script because he honestly, you know, while there is bad things in the Old Testament, there's also good things. He could have quoted those good passages and made the same point. So when he's quoting, so I don't think it's a misquoting in the sense of, oh, I'm really bad at exegesis. I don't get it. I think he's like intentionally doing that um, 
maybe in the way that uh, what's an example of that? Um, well, how about this? How about how um, gay people um, might refer to themselves as queer because it's an insult, right? And, and then and then kind of like grab that and say, I'm going to take back that bad term and make it a good term. You know, like that kind of provocative kind of way of, of addressing things um, and not because they're not aware of it. Um, so that's that's one possibility um, that I think is pretty plausible. And then another is that there is a history, there is a tradition at the time where doing that was not unusual. So now we are much more like, what was the exact quote? And, you know, every single like letter has to be quoted. And when they would quote people, they wouldn't really worry so much about you know, They'd be like, ah, oh, pretty much you said that close enough. And so there's a there's a different way that we have kind of like this journalistic um, thing that that we that's become sort of expected and normal. I think that Paul and Jesus, you could say that their baseline is if I read this in a way that leads towards good and leads towards love, then that's the right way to read it. And so if I therefore am completely not following what Moses meant to say and not following what the psalmist wanted to say, but it's good, then that's good. I think I think that's where they're getting at. They're getting at that I'm using this for a good purpose, and so I don't care about the authorial intent of it. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of the kind of rap um, battle version of the New Testament. And... Um, you know, like you say, there's that that appropriation of insults and and kind of negative things that that gets flipped around and and um, you know Christianity has a lot of of that right. We, the term Christian itself was probably originally an insult, and then they you know take it as a as a descriptor. Um, the idea of the cross as being um, uh, kind of you know this is this is how rome will destroy you and then you know christians take it as kind of a a symbol to that that in essence throws that back um and yeah, Paul talks about you know the weapons of the armor of god right mm-hmm. and he's talking about like you know love and righteousness and faithfulness but he's using kind of like military language right right you know again sort of that irony thing yeah yeah, I think that's that is really helpful to think about. You know, uh, the more comfortable and familiar you are with um, how songwriting and poetry and um, and rap battles and so forth work, then I think um, I do think there is something there about how you read scripture. I think that um, definitely helps out. Um, so, so you you. Um, you're saying so. Paul Paul does this, and Paul has his own style, but Jesus does that does it as well. So, what is what are some examples of Jesus doing this? Right. So Jesus. So now exactly this, where you misquote something, Jesus does sometimes, but most of the stuff that Jesus says, he isn't really quoting stuff. Um, it's more kind of you know. So so he has a different style of how he approaches it. Um, so there's a similar thing they're doing. The one example that I can think of that where Jesus actually does literally the same thing is he's um, announcing in the synagogue his ministry, his inauguration of his ministry, and he's quoting from Isaiah, and he quotes that familiar passage from uh, Luke, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we're all like, yay, wonderful. And then 
he stops and it says he closes up the scroll he closed up the scroll and he sat down like you know drop the mic i'm done but he stopped mid-sentence because it continues and the day of the vengeance of our god and and that whole passage is also and and then they kind of like you know are like wait what and then he tells them some stories about some gentiles and how god showed grace to those gentiles and and then he tells them i forget the exact quote but something along the lines of um you know and god's gonna help them and not help you and and so he's really confronting them with this yeah i know that you think it's supposed to be this way where you're the good guy and they're the bad guy and you win and they lose but actually i'm gonna flip that that script and sort of it's a similar thing with him saying look at this centurion who you despise because he's this oppressive army guy. So we can't imagine like us because we're the ones who have the big army. We have to imagine like, you know, this little, um, you know, the Jewish people and there's this huge Roman army that's occupying them. Mm-hmm. And so they really resent this centurion guy. And so, he, but he's praising the centurion for being good or he talks the same thing with the prostitute, praises the prostitute for, you know, and, and that idea of ha- that these people have more faith than all of Israel. And so he's kind of, he's doing his flipping stuff, but maybe not necessarily all the time with, with a quote, but even with just people's ideas and things. Yeah, so what's, you, you kind of mentioned like um, Jesus and Paul seem to think this is okay as long as this is how they're, you know, this is what they're getting out of it. Or, you know, the, it's it's like a purpose-driven interpretation rather than, uh, you know, a strictly literal interpretation. And so right. what what is that purpose? What what justifies that? Love, I'd say, is what the baseline would be. You know, another example is the way that Jesus interprets um, Sabbath regulations and says, like, you know, like, for example, he could, so he's wanting to heal someone on the Sabbath, right? And you could think, well, can't you just, like, wait one day? I mean, this person, you know, has had this this disability for, presumably, for years, so why can't you wait till Monday, basically, you know? And he's like, no, I won't. That's ridiculous. I don't want to wait. I mean, the Sabbath is supposed to be a day where good stuff happens, so I don't care if there's a restriction on this by your interpretation. I'm going to interpret it as I get to um, help people and love people and care for people. And that's what God wants me to do. And, and so that's, that's always his, where he's going with this interpretation. It's like, that's the, what's the word? Um, the telos, the, the, the end place where he's trying to get to is always, how can this be loving? And if he has to break a law, he will, you know? So if he thinks, yes, the, you know, maybe the law calls for the woman to be caught in adultery, to be stoned to death, but he's like, well, how about instead she's restored? And there, there isn't really a, like in that example, there isn't really a provision in the Old Testament for that to happen. But he's like, I don't care. You know, because he just wants, he, 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 he talks about the, the Sabbath being um, for man, you know, for humanity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not the other way around. And I think that's kind of how he views the law. The law is there to help people not to become a burden for people. So that's, that's his baseline. Yeah. So one of the things that you talked about in the, the book is, um, uh, you know, this concept of, of, um, 
experience and and uh, you know ju- judging things by experience and how that kind of relates to the scientific method. Um, so can you unpack that a little bit? <laughs> oh, that's big. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Um, well, I mean, my basic idea. So originally, I thought initially, I thought like, oh, well, just you know. Um, read the Bible like Jesus did, but then I, it occurred to me that like, everybody claims that, and they have completely different interpretations. They'll claim they're doing a Jesus interpretation, so that's kind of a little bit too cheap to just claim that. And also, while I have you know this this charismatic background, and I'm you know, and I I am asking you know for the Holy Spirit to reveal stuff to me, I also realize that it's also not fair to just say like oh just have the holy spirit tell you and that's why we all agree because we just ask the holy spirit because we don't you know so that doesn't work either and where i end up is that really it has to do i i'm I'm referring to science but even on a bigger level it's just that our our theology our reading and interpretation has to be connected to life and and yes, we can be wrong about how we see things and how we view things. Sure, we can. And science doesn't even stop that from happening. It it tries to make people as objective as they can. So it tries to use criteria to get bias out of the way. But there's still bias, you know. And so it's it's not it's not a perfect thing. But what's even worse is to act as if there is no bias and act as if we are completely objective and and not and and then read the bible in a way that's like irrelevant to life like for example if if i'm thinking oh like there's some um parenting books that will say you know you might think this is really you 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 you're you're disciplining your kids and it feels really wrong if what you're doing and it, and you and your your whole conscience is screaming out like stop it don't this is bad don't do this and and is and the and the author of the book is basically saying, no, ignore your conscience and do it anyway. And that, as you know, it just that just screams potential for, um, you know, abuse because you don't have anything that stops you from from saying, hey, this is this is really awful what I'm doing, and and. And that even allows for the idea that maybe you're reading this wrong. Maybe that's not the intent. Or maybe it is the intent and it's a bad thing. Either way, you should think about it. And you should think about what the consequences are and, 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 and so on. So that's what I mean by kind of engaging with experience, engaging with life, and letting that have a voice, you know, that, that really matters. And, then, and sort of through that, trying to um, figure out, you know, what direction does Jesus want us to go in with these things? You know, how do we take these things further in the way that I think people would recognize it? For example, Martin Luther King took the words of Jesus to maybe a level that Jesus wasn't able to take it at in his particular time with his particular, um, you know, cultural context, um, is able to like, you know, do the whole civil rights movement. And that's, that's while that's more, it's not against you know what I mean? It's not something that Jesus would say, like, what are you doing? I didn't want that to happen. You know, but more that he'd be like, this is awesome. You know, and Jesus has that quote, um, you'll do even greater things than me. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of goes in that direction of, you know, moving towards like the abol- abolition of slavery, for example, um, that kind of thing, even though at the time of Jesus and Paul, there still was slavery and they didn't get to that point yet. Yeah. And yes. the um, doesn't doesn't kind of you know, this 
the verse, uh, by their fruits you will know them, kind of point to that kind of experiential um, check on on the way we interpret things? Yeah, it really does. I mean, Jesus talks about that kind of stuff a lot. Like also his his um, idea of uh, a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is really about God's doing something in his ministry and 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 you're seeing people's um, seeing people healed and and wonderful things happen and people are encountering God and and everything and the religious people at the time are are being like well this doesn't seem to coincide with my book here so I'm totally against this and and Jesus is basically saying with the blessing of the Holy Spirit thing that is like the worst thing you could possibly do is stand in the way of love happening and the kingdom of God coming down among people and you're kind of there blocking it because it doesn't fit with your book and your interpretation. And that's where, that's where the, 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 the law becomes a burden when it really should be helping people to go towards that, to, to being more, um, loving, more Jesus shaped. Yeah. It's interesting that you would, uh, bring out that example because that, that is how I've interpreted the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit essentially to, to cut yourself off from all evidence because you know what what Jesus essentially says is well if you reject uh, God the Father well you know you can't see him so you know you you can't exactly be faulted for that um, and if you reject me well you know I, I I'm here and you know you have various reasons for for agreeing with me or not um, so, you know, you might not be faulted for that, but if you reject the evidence that's right in front of your eyes, um, right. then what else is there? What else can be done? How else can you be reached? Because you, you've essentially cut yourself off from God's ability to reach you. Right. Yeah, no, this, I think that's totally right on. And what I also want to say, too, is so I come from this. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever read um, John Bunyan. Not but, much. He has, he has, so I had an experience very similar to his autobiographical experience where, you know, you, you hear in church, you know, you're, I don't know, you're 16 years old and you hear about like blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And then suddenly it pops in your head, I blaspheme you, Holy Spirit. And you're like, oh no, what have I done? You know, have I committed the unforgivable (laughs) sin? You know, and, and so there's, I did the exact same thing. Yes. (laughs) Maybe we all have at some point. (laughs) Anyway, um, so there's this, that, exactly that thing has this like horrible connotations to it and and so i think it's also important too and that that gets into also like how we it's one thing to say um how do we interpret this thing from the old testament but there's also how do we interpret stuff from the new testament like you can read jesus in a way that is oppressive and and terrifying like that you know, worrying about like, have I committed the un- unforgivable sin because I had this thought that popped in my head that I couldn't stop from happening? Because like, try not to think of a pink elephant, and they're like, oh no, I just did, you know. And 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 then there's also ways to read Jesus that are all about life and abundance and everything. And so that's also really important to to underline that Jesus needs to be read in a way that's. Um, life-affirming that has a good fruit that comes out of it as well it's not just you know new testament and you're good you know it's 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 complicated and it and it requires your engagement in there 
Yeah. So, you know, this is this is where for me, um, you know, I tend to, uh, you know, because I, I'm a fundamentalist at heart, I <laughs> um, I always look for like the the baseline thing, you know, thing that I can take away. So, um, and for for me, the thing that I always go to is what Paul says in Romans thirteen ten, where well, in the context, he says. Um, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and what other, whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so I look at that as kind of, you know, and, and Jesus says, um, he phrases that differently, but says the same thing, you know, as I interpret it. Like all of this is trying to get towards Um, teaching us about love and so whatever we're confused about whatever we might be you know have different opinions about um, that's the cheat sheet right (laughs) that's the answer in the back of the book Um, and we can always go to that we don't have to figure out um, all the other details do you do you think that's right or do you think I'm missing something there no I think that's right and I also have I think I think that what you're describing isn't a fundamentalist thing it's just more like the the systematic theologian in you Mm. um you know that you want a system and i'm the same way that's honestly why i kind of see paul as my window to jesus because jesus will say these really cryptic poetic um purposely confusing things like you know um if you want to eat meat then become a vegetarian you know that that kind of that's kind of stuff that he says where everyone and and people in the gospels they're always like what and, and, and like nobody understood him. And he gets really frustrated with him. I was like, what's up with you guys? And Paul is much more, let me explain it to you over multiple paragraphs really systematically. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much, Paul. You know, so I, I totally relate to that. And and I do think that um, that, that is a really good baseline. That And you know what? Also, what, what I noticed too about that particular quote is he doesn't, Paul doesn't just say love. He talks about not doing harm. I think that's actually a really good definition of what is loving, you know, um, not doing harm. And you can even say the other way around, you know, doing good, you know, help, helping people to, to, to flourish or whatever. I think that's kind of a good definition of what does it mean to love so we don't just, you know, get into that whole like, it's tough love, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> um, you know, and justify things, call things loving that are harmful and, and hurtful. And, you know, and of course we'd, we'd, you know, you'd want to define too, well, the difference between it's hard as in, you know, I tell you something that might be hard to hear, but it's actually really good for you to hear. And, and, and you recognize that I'm saying it because I care and it's tough, but, but you appreciate that as opposed to this thing that somebody says to you that traumatizes you and, and, and undoes you as a person and, and damages you, you know, um, that, that's, that's, but I think that's a really important, uh, nuance that he adds to it. Yeah. That's yes. a good point because you, you're right. The whole, um, you know, speaking the truth in love is, is a, uh, sometimes a blanket for all kinds of, um, uh, terrible things. Um, and, you know, so even, even when, we're professing that we are, uh, oh, this is, you know, this is out of love or something like that. It can be really easy for us to actually be harming people. 
And I don't know how do you how do you deal with that? How do we even even in ourselves? How do we become aware that we're doing that, um, and and not just kind of give that um, cover because we're calling it love? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the question of harm is a really good one. I mean, you can listen to people as they give you feedback about stuff, you know, and and pay attention. And and that's the thing is, if we're doing that, I think that probably everything's fine. It's more when we refuse, when we're like, well, I don't care what you say. I'm still doing this in love and I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that attitude of not listening to other people and not hearing, getting feedback and, you know, and, and thinking that you are like this, you know, like this vehicle for, for, you know, the truth, you know, I, I think, I think it's just really about just being open. And and you just got to trust that as you're open, that we'll be able to stumble towards that. Hmm. Yeah. So so, um, how would you, you know, if someone was starting out and reading the Old Testament, and they were going to start start in Genesis and you know work their way through Leviticus and all that, what would you <laughs> kind of tell them? You know, you know, here's your here's your bullet points uh, on your journey to keep you from getting kind of lost in the weeds uh, along that process. What would be the, what would be the best kind of tools for someone who's, who's trying to go into this maybe for the first time? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, advice that I got when I was just a baby Christian, I think is pretty good advice, which is one, don't start with Genesis, you know, start with John or something, you know, and, 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 and I mean, honestly, the way that a lot of people read the Bible, like, you know how you have like the New Testament and Psalms? Well, that's, that's not bad. And, um, you know, if you begin with Jesus, and also too, if you are in a way, what we, we kind of have this canon within a canon, you know, and, and it's just based on the things that you highlight and the things that you don't highlight, you know, and, and so that, that's, 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 Initially, if we're talking about someone like starting off, I wouldn't tell them to go read Leviticus, and um, but and 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 I think that what people end up doing as they read through the Psalms, where they're like, "Oh, this is nice," and skip, 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 skip. Oh, this is nice again. Why not? I mean, that's that's a way for them to let God speak into their life and and everything. So I guess it's the question of when they want to wrestle with. Um, these things when they when they think okay I I am f- fully grounded in Jesus and now I want to dig in and face these darker things in there then um, you know if if that's the question then um, what I would say is that it's important to understand that um, that there are contradictions in the Bible the Bible isn't a book it's many books with many authors and many different perspectives. And so if you don't need to make it all make sense, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't all line up together. Um, there's opposing views. There's views that are all about like, you know, one humanity and there's views that are super racist. And so that's, that's one thing is just that if you think, so when you think this seems really crazy and bad, maybe it is. And, um, and then also, too, when you're reading that part, you can, there's a big difference between if you read a passage and you're looking for 
the human author there, then it's really different than if you're reading it as if God is putting his stamp of approval on this. So, for example, we have um, Psalm 137, right, which is the the bashing heads of infants psalm, right? Are you familiar with that one? Yeah. 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 Right, so not really a great one to put like on the church brochure <laughs> or anything. Um, not, not the kind of quote you have in your refrigerator. But And if you read that, um, blessed is he who does this terrible, you know, awful thing. And to read that blessedness as in, this is a statement that God blesses this, that's terrible. But when you read it, you know, as it begins, you know, on, on the shore of Babylon, we wept. It's, and you see it from the perspective of a human who is grieving over their um, being, um, you know, uprooted from their homeland and being oppressed. And then the anger that they're like, I hate them so much. That honesty said as a prayer, that's, there's something good in that. There's something good about like how, you know, when something horrible happens to you or me, being able to like cry out with all of your um, rage and, 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 and sort of like a uncensored, um, just raw ugliness and being able to do that, there's something kind of good about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that as long as you don't think, and God totally agrees with me, you know, and that's the thing of, if you can read it as a human book, then you can still, you can, there's something that's still divine. You know what I mean? About like saying that this is a prayer that God can hear and God can handle us like that. That says something that's not just secular then. That's not just human. Although you have to see it as this is a raw, uncensored human praying and not the official, you know, handbook from God telling you how I feel about these things. You know, and the same thing yeah. too with, yeah. with David when he's like, I, I think of David as being like, um, like really super bipolar, you know, where he's like, yeah, I'm so super happy. And then he's like, oh, be, I was in my mother's womb and I was garbage, you know. And, and if you can kind of see that not as like a statement of, yep, that's exactly what God thinks when you're in your mother's womb, you're garbage. But it's just, it's just him and, you know, struggling then then it's then i think you can read it that way and it's and there's there's just this really this richness of of faith that isn't polite and safe yeah that you can yeah. get out of that yeah actually i i was thinking about that that psalm because um uh so one time when i was in in new york city um we were riding the subway and um one of my friends looked over and saw Samir Savanovic, who's an author, and um, and she went over and talked to him, and he was headed towards this church in the city, and he invited us to go along. So we went along, and um, uh, at the this service they were doing, uh, Peter Rollins was leading the, <laughs> the service, and at one point they had us all um, get, you know, kind of get into groups and take these words and shout them at each other, right? These really horrific words, you know, I want to see your, you know, your infants bashed, you know, against the rocks and so forth. Um, but they they did that as, as an exercise, right? To say, you know, these are real human emotions. These are really things that, um, that humans feel. And it's better to be able to have a way to express this than it is to pretend like we don't, 
right? So this, this psalm gives us an outlet for these very, very dark things within us that otherwise we would be in some way just denying. Right. And so, yeah, I, I like what you're saying about, um, you know, David and, and, and all that, because I, I think, um, you know, I, I've, I've read that, um, they've done studies on people who listen to sad songs and if if you're heartbroken what you want to listen to is sad songs because sad songs actually make you feel better and it's counterintuitive and it 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 seems like you'd want to listen to happy songs but happy songs make you feel worse when you're when you're feeling bad but for some reason if something can help us express those feelings that we're having then we're able to to express them and then kind of gradually let them go. And, and so songs, um, I think do, uh, you know, and, and poetry and lyrics do this incredible service to us. They allow us to experience our emotions more fully. And I think that's a lot of what scripture does as well. No, I totally agree. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of the, what you're talking about with songs and, and Rollins and, and then the, um, the, the context of worship, you know, where so many worship songs are so safe, you know, and don't really express the full breadth of, of human experience and, and how much better it would be if we could, I mean, like, I don't know that we even need to go that far to have such an extreme experience. You know, that's almost like, you know, let's, let's sing Alice in Chains in our next worship service (laughs) or something, you know, that's, that's, they get pretty dark. But but even just having songs with some doubt in them, you know, or some struggle in them and not always like, you know, we are marching and we are victorious and everything's great and yay. And, you know, and and those kind of songs, you know, there's a place for those. But if it's if that's all we have, it just feels so inauthentic. And that's where the Psalms, I think that's that's where that's good. Um, Like, you know, like you're saying that that full breadth of, of human experience. Mm hmm. Yeah, one one thing that um, you said about you know maybe not jumping into um, you know Leviticus right off the bat, right? Like maybe maybe starting with some other things um, that made me think about you know I think there's kind of this phenomenon that we have where um, you know we have this truck stop Christianity. Um, where we have this idealized idea that you're going to pick up like a chick tract in uh, in a truck stop and you're going to read it and you're going to say, hey, I want to be a Christian and you're going to convert right then and there, right? After reading like a little comic strip or something. And um, and the um, what that tends to do in, in the way that it's expressed in, in our culture anyway is that it suggests to people that you can just kind of pick up the Bible as if it were, you know, a uh, life's instruction manual or something. You know, a lot of these things that people say about it, you know, um, or, uh, you know, um, and and just go with it. And yet, you know, if we were studying Buddhism or um, Islam or, or some kind of ancient tradition, we wouldn't think that we could pick up all of their um, scripture and understand it in an afternoon and really just get the gist of it. 
And, um, but I think we've set the expectation sometimes in American Christianity that you should be able to just kind of grab this and go and, you know, um, Christianity should be able to be boiled down to a pamphlet. And so therefore the Bible should be able to be the exact same thing. And I think maybe that's part of, of, um, where some of our problem comes from, because I feel like in Judaism, you know, you have people who dedicate their lives to studying the intricacies of, of these passages. And we've sometimes said, oh, you know, this is, um, just something you can dive into as a, as a young kid and completely understand. Yeah, no, totally. I, I actually, I, I actually bought into that at, at one point, the whole plain reading thing. And you just, just read it. It's right there. It's really simple. And what I, what I discovered is that there was something else going on where I would read, you know, um, Paul, for example. And I would think like, wow, this is really about grace and it's so loving and everything. And then, I would, um, you know, and the same thing with Jesus. I'd read Jesus and be like, oh, this is so great. And then I would meet an atheist, and they would tell me, well, here's how I read that passage. And I'd be like, what? How can you read? That's awful. That's what you think when you read that? That's like the most terrible thing ever. And I realized, I guess it's not plain to everyone, you know? And, um, and 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 since then, I discovered a lot of people have, not just atheists, but, um, you know, kind of hyper-Calvinist type people have this way of reading Paul that just sounds like, like what a terrible, mean guy, you know, yeah. and not at all grace-focused. So it's, 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 that was hard for me to, that was painful for me to admit that, like, not everybody reads the Bible. I wish they would, because it's, it's you know, the way I'm, I'm reading it, it's, there's, there's grace there, and it's beautiful. But, um, but there's a lot of people who read it and see, yucky stuff and i think it's a little bit too like um i mean it sounds mean but maybe they're bringing some of that yuck into it with them or something i don't know um but there is but it's it's definitely not easy and and it needs to be kind of um something that you i don't know if people i mean it would be nice if people could be guided through by somebody else if that's if that's a thing that's possible yeah. Yeah. But there's a context. Like I think it kind of matters that like, you know, you're reading it in your Bible study and with all your friends and everything and talking about Jesus and then you're worshiping and there's th- that context also that that's important, I think. Yeah, that's um you know, it, it's interesting to, that the more kind of orthodox traditions in Christianity have have really put a large focus on that contextualized uh reading, you know, reading in, in community or, 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 um, in this kind of communal context versus, um, you know, like my, my church background, you know, we had the idea that you could basically, you know, airdrop a Bible into any part of the world and somebody would pick it up and understand how to create a church exactly like ours. <laughs> right. And, you know, no cultural background, you know, nothing else. Um, it was just, it would just be, you know, um, blatantly obvious. And of course that doesn't actually work out that way. And I, you know, and that's, um, that, that's one of those things where, you know, then we sit back and we're like, well, I don't, I don't get it. Right. And a lot of times, um, you know, it's easy for us initially to think that, that there's this plain reading because within a a certain culture, 
um, you can get certain things, you know, on a consistent basis. But as soon as you change that culture, as soon as you step into a place where people have different expectations um, or different, you know, background assumptions, then everything changes dramatically and then you run into trouble. Right, right. And, you know, and, and on a, a flip side to that, too, um, you can bring that Bible into um, a completely different culture and, and if you're open, maybe they're going, you know what, I actually see this really good thing in there. And you're like, whoa, I never saw that. That's true. It's there's all like 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 in my early Christianity, all the stuff about social justice and the poor. I missed that. I didn't see any of it. All I saw was how I'm loved by God and um, and, you know, how can I be saved, which I needed to hear at the time. But then all the stuff about the poor in a sense, I guess I must have been like, yeah, whatever, I'm not poor, so I don't care, you know, <laughs> and because it just wasn't an issue for me. But there's this the stuff you can discover, and 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 I think bringing it to people from different backgrounds, you know, we it, it, if you're open to that, um, then you know, letting that happen, like like East Stanley Jones, do you know who that is? Um, he not talked sure. about not that. Sure. He's he's called a missionary extraordinary. He was uh, friends with Gandhi. Uh, he's a missionary in India from like the 30s or something, and he talked about doing that rather than coming in and saying clearly, looking at this, you should all be wearing ties. You know, um, he would instead um, say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to show you how I see Jesus, and if you take the Bible and you show me a better interpretation of Jesus, then I'll sit at your feet." Um, but I'm, I'm wanting to follow Jesus and I'm wanting to, you know, present him to you. And I, th- I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. 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 I think that's, um, that, that's amazing. Actually, I, w- I would be interested in looking more into that, uh, you know, to him and that approach, because I think that's, that's one of the things that, um, early Christianity actually was, was consciously doing is, um, in some ways integrating a lot of things it found in these, you know, cultures it was going into. And, you know, in, um, in, uh, you know, our, our culture, sometimes we've, we've looked at that and said, oh, well, this is pagan stuff that got wrapped into Christianity. We need to purify it and get rid of that. But I think, you know, so Christmas trees, right? Christmas trees are Christmas or a Christian custom only because we adopted it from um, some pagans and made a Christian version of it, right? And we, um, we did that at some point because we saw something valuable in their culture that we wanted to affirm, and so we, you know, uh, somebody at some point said, okay, here's how I can see what you're already doing um, in a Christian context where this connects with Jesus um, and is, you know, and is a positive thing. And so now we, we all do that, right? We all have uh, Christmas trees all over the, the Western world, even though that didn't start out as a Christian thing, Um it was something that um, that we you know we saw value in and and affirmed. Um, so I you know I think I think we could do better at um, doing that, allowing others to read with us and to challenge our readings. Yeah, no, I think that's totally right on, and that that's very. You, you should go read E. Stanley Jones. He's, he's all about that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, I, there's, 
there's um, a lot here and a, and a lot of other things that I want to kind of explore. And I know you've you've written about um, Christus Victor as well. And at some point, I would I would like to explore that because because you've written about that fairly extensively, right? Well, I have another. That was my first book, right? It's, yeah. And um, yeah, we don't have time to get into it um, right now, but um, but I think that you know that's that's been an important um, idea for me as well in kind of um, thinking through some of the frameworks that we even bring to our reading of of the Christian story, the biblical story. And I think we just don't realize how much of a framework we've often imposed on the text. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a really, of course, as you know, a really super huge subject. But, but yeah, basically, it's just kind of for me, it's seeing the cross as an expression of love rather than an expression of wrath, and and having it make sense and connect with the the loving God that we encounter, and having the cross not be a contradiction to that, but but totally in line with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thanks, Derek, for um, for the conversation. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure we have lots more we can uh, we can talk about. Um, so you've got um, disarming scripture. You've got uh, your first book. What's the title of that again? Healing the gospel. Healing the gospel. I'll put links to those in the show notes. Um, where else should people follow your work? Um, well, I blog, as you said, on um, on therebelgod.com. Um, that's sort of my, uh, my, my sounding board where I'm kind of just working out, you know, new ideas and kicking around stuff. Cool. All right. Well, uh, any, any new books or any, uh, secret projects in the works? <laughs> well, there is a secret one, but I oh. can't. Tell you okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well now, now it's a teaser. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, on the edge of my seat. Uh, well, thanks, uh, for talking to me and, um, uh, we'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Absolutely.